0: Welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. We are very passionate about two things, technology and our world. In each pod we will be interviewing some fascinating people, business leaders, but those with a special interest in solving the biggest issues facing humanity today. Think the environment, think healthcare provision during a pandemic, think global social injustice. If you want to know more about technology's immense potential to fix and transform, then you're in the right place in this episode i speak to alex Rahim. alex is the chief product and technology officer at Sevest, a startup that uses ai to help businesses protect their assets from the risks and effects of climate change a former senior leader at intel microsoft and amazon alex knows all about the power technology holds In the interview, we discuss the startling knowledge gap around the climate emergency and why tech and collaboration could fix the problem. But first, I ask Alex about his motivation behind joining Sybhast.
1: I, uh, you know, the short answer is that I feel is a fantastic fit, um, including the the timing. I think, you know, when I look at one's career, I see it as as a journey, you know, as a trajectory. Um, You have usually a nonlinear trajectory, ups and downs. Um, I happen to uh, also notice uh, your background, Ben. I had a chance to look on LinkedIn. You came from football reporting, um, which is fascinating. Um, Makes me also uh, you know, kind of look back at some of the things I've been through very different. But I think that the fundamental thing is that, you know, as your career um, moves forward, both personally, you sometimes you have this opportunity for your trajectory to meet a company. And that's a fit for as long as these particles, so to speak, match and share a journey together. uh, From my point of view, you know, I uh, have a background in, in technology, in engineering and in building products and uh, over the years um, these have been products with the um, heavy emphasis on data machine learning and AI in general and this is a journey that has taken me through um, a lot of big and small companies you know namely um, three startups but also places like uh, intel uh, amazon and microsoft to name a few uh, more recently in the uk i was chief data officer at just eat so it's really the the challenge of taking a big problem space with a lot of complexity, and then understand how you can apply uh, best practices with uh, with data, with engineering, to to build a cohesive approach to tackle a problem. That's a professional career. So, professionally speaking, um, given the fact that also Servest is an early stage startup company, is is really my strength and my passion. Uh, you know, I'm in a place where I um, Don't uh, shy away from um, rolling up my sleeve and tackling a lot of problems from strategic all the way down to low level engineering, everything else in between. So from that point of view, it was really exciting. Uh, But to be honest with you, more importantly is the space we're in and the industry we're in. Um, It came me as a shock to uh, observe and learn that, climate science in general and applications and AI in particular um, are still a novelty in this space. You would think everybody would be all over it, right? But it is not the case. So the opportunity to work in a a company like Cervest with a group of amazingly smart people to build something meaningful that can really set the path, uh, be a leader in this space, um not just in the UK but globally you know if you look around the world again to my surprise nobody is doing what we're doing here at servest and it's in you know good old london um so you know you look at it from this excitement of the field where we are in the life cycle of the company what i'm looking to do um it was it was phenomenal and i also need to mention the people i met um, i had obviously see a lot of meetings throughout the, uh, the interview process and um, subsequently after I joined and you know working with people that you enjoy working with is very important um, so all of this really came together
0: for me here I'm really uh,
1: really fortunate
0: that sounds brilliant Alex for the for the benefit of the listener can you maybe just describe what Sevest is and what the company is trying to achieve
1: happy to. So Servest
0: is a relatively early stage
1: technology startup based in London. Um, we are um, under 40 employees at the moment. Uh, we've been through a couple of round of um, venture fundraising and now we're looking to um, engage in the next round to scale our capabilities even further. And the area we're in, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we call it Earth science AI. So this is the idea to bring in um, science as it's applied to to climate science, uh, mathematics, really heavy mathematics in the area of statistics, uh, machine learning and engineering all in one place. The common denominator is data. So we're building AI solutions to help understand the impact of climate on everybody's lives and assets. Um, over time and then make it easy to understand and, more importantly, easy to take actions against to kind of remove this element of risk and uncertainty that's uh, becoming a big issue and more frequently.
0: Okay, so who are you building these solutions for?
1: Short answer is to be honest with everyone.
0: Um, I think um, we're actually
1: building something that is uh, quite ambitious and exciting, which is the open access platform. So if I can kind of simplify the experience, uh, we're building something where you can, as an individual or as somebody that's working in a, in a company or a member of the government, uh, we feel that our concerns around climate really become tangible around an asset, right? An asset can be a home, can be a place you work, can be a road you take, can be you know a forest that you walk through, a farm, these are physical assets and climate has an impact on these physical assets so we want to build a solution where really anyone can apply and understand what is the type of risk as it comes to climate risk on these assets over time from short term to decades in the future so it has really large ramifications around your day-to-day life um, around Longer term planning, but especially if you're a company that um, has to run a business, has to make investment decisions, has to manage um, day to day operations, um, it's a really critical piece of running the business. So we're giving these solutions for both individuals and corporations and governments to manage the risk of uh, climate volatility uh, when it comes to the, the real physical assets.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I agree. It sounds a, a very ambitious program, but th- this is a big problem to solve, isn't it? Because the scale of—I mean, you, you said it there. What what defines an asset? It's really anything for for me as an individual, or or my business, or a huge corporation. Everyone has mm-hmm. assets, and a lot of them are vulnerable to to climate change and and this this climate emergency that we, that we live in. So it, it's uh, try, try and give us some um, some more idea about the scale of of the problem here.
1: Yeah. So you know one of the things you learn in tech is um to combine two levels of thinking one level is 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 the vision that we built and the vision is roughly what i described we really want to be a place where similar to the first time you used google um you know there was no going back you wanted to find something on the internet there it is there's no going back google became an important part of everybody's life and then over time different solutions came up. But really, it came from the idea of organizing the world's information. That's their vision. For us, is to make um, climate risk tangible at an asset level. But I think that becomes uh, interesting when you start to actually now have an execution plan to build that solution. And the way we're looking at what the platform looks like is across um, three, I would say, dimensions, all three of which we work on to bring together and to scale over time. One of it is assets, is the fundamental dimension. So here uh, we've already built a, a platform um, that has um, right under 600 million assets. Um, initially we focused on what we call the built environment. So these are buildings. But buildings cover residences, businesses, um, offices, factories, critical infrastructure, airports, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a lot that's get covered by um, the built category. Um, and then over time, uh, over the next 18 months, there will be more. There will be what we call linear assets. So these are roads, railroads, pipelines, cables, infrastructure, um, power lines, et cetera. Um, and also biological assets. We're actually further along um, on the biological assets, including farms and the crops that grown farms is a very important um, element of risk that humanity has to manage. But by extension, also forests, um, natural resources like that. So. Three large asset classes, all of which will be um, soon searchable on the platform, starting with the physical assets on the building side. Then, you know, once you browse and you find something that's relevant to you, either as an individual or as a business, you'll be able to apply um, what our science team is building, which is layers of analysis when it comes to um, climate signals and climate risk. So think of it as multiple signals and multiple risk models that we bring together and we apply to what it means when it comes to the physical assets over a time period. Things like extreme precipitation, extreme heat, um, storms, wildfires, um, flooding, whether it's riverine flooding or coastal flooding, there's a list of over 20 such signals and similarly, over time, these will scale and become complete. And what's also interesting here, then, is that um, one of the things that uh, we can actually achieve um, using mathematics from the field of statistics, build models that combine different risks. And this is something that's actually very unique to Servest. You know, today you can go find unique models that have, let's say temperature or flooding or precipitation but a lot of times that actually misses the great events Um, you know one typical example is that you have an area that goes through uh, very low precipitation over time so there's drought right Um, maybe that drought signal is medium great then you have Another risk, which is extreme precipitation, which is perhaps also medium to low. Maybe you look at a different signal, which is flooding. Flooding is now very low suddenly. But what oftentimes happens is that a region goes through drought. Suddenly, there's extreme precipitation, which leads to flash flooding. There's no science out there that can capture that. So you need to not only bring um, science of climate, but also use very innovative what is currently proprietary for service, mathematical models that allow you to, to work this scenario. So there's a big area, but that's the second dimension around um, the climate signals. And then thirdly, it's very important, um, all of the science and all of these technologies need to be applied to real problems, right? And real problems, this is where we intersect with where the market is going, how people are thinking about these issues, how companies actually reach out to use these solutions and integrate them into their ways of working, etc. So here there is also some emerging uh, standards um, that try to formalize some of these issues and help companies um, kind of approach this um, in a more aligned and consistent way. So here there is, um, you know, a lot of use cases that we're going to build, including regulatory disclosure, you know, some... Um, Movement is out there similar to um, ESG reporting, which is um, environmental, social, and governance. For environmental reporting, for transition risk, for physical risk, um, you know, as an investor, um, there's increasing pressure to get a sense of what you're investing in, right? Is this company or is this asset um, climate safe, how much risk there is, et cetera? So there's a level of disclosure and our technology will provide solutions for that but more into the future, real day-to-day solutions for managing um, operational risk, operational resilience, and then simulations of what the future holds for a company that can
0: inform investments. Hello, I'm Daniel Brigham, editor of the Tech for Good magazine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and if you want more, Why not head over to techforgood.digitalbulletin.com for some amazing and thought-provoking stories? How about AI's role in fighting the Californian wildfires? Or maybe one startup's mission to end illegal fisheries using satellites and machine learning? Read and subscribe at techforgood.digitalbulletin.com. It sounds fascinating stuff, Alex, really fascinating stuff. Um, I don't want to make this conversation too technical but with with the mm-hmm. the proprietary algorithms that you're speaking about there I mean mm-hmm. you're you're sure that you know this is this is a solution this is a a technology that has not been used before and so forth is is, is therefore able to tackle this problem in a way that it hasn't been tackled before is that is that what you're saying
1: yes yeah. absolutely yeah
0: how proud of you are you of that and how exciting is that for for you as somebody who has obviously held some really or work for some some of the biggest technology companies in the world. Now, now working for an early stage startup, but in a way that must that that kind of excitement, that kind of feeling that you're on the the cusp of something here, um, that must be really exciting. It's supremely exciting. Um, it is really I feel uh, a
1: really privileged to um, to be doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, the, the cliche thing to say is I honestly would do this for free. I'm not going to say pay for it, but but you know what I mean. It, it's it's such a such a higher level of engagement, both um, intellectually and I think personally, that is really um, kind of a once in a lifetime privilege to be part of. Uh, but I also think this is not uh, you know pipe dreams. You know, being in the role that I am, I I know what we're building. And I know the demand in the market. So the the business opportunity itself is also quite exciting. I think that the the opportunity to have impact across society, um, across various industries is also very exciting. So it's really exciting at a lot of levels. Mm
0: -hmm. Brilliant stuff, Alex. Now, whenever we speak to people on on this topic, climate change, sustainability, a lot of um, forward thinking people in business say that Sustainability must come first as a business priority going forward. Um, businesses that aren't sustainable in the future simply won't exist. They won't, they won't have a a means to kind of exist. Is that something that you agree with? Do you think all business in the future needs to put sustainability at the front and center?
1: I think it's inevitable. I think it's inevitable both from a very pragmatic business point of view. Uh, but also longer term, you know, from a point of view of the society, um, absolutely. I think you know the 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 solutions we're building are done with that in mind. In the sense that there's a, I would say there's a gap between the awareness of the problem space, which is changing quite rapidly, by the way. And and maybe we can talk about this. Covid has a lot to do with this. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure the mechanisms, although I have a theory. But Covid just absolutely accelerated this. Um, this thirst and this demand in the marketplace for to have real solutions for sustainability by extension all the other aspects but i think even if you look at from a pragmatic point of view from just an investment point of view i think there's a lot of studies out there that people can google um, around the fact that um, companies that are sustainable actually um, are more attractive to investors right Um, this is something that people are asking for um many studies show that they actually have better financial performance by the way which uh, may surprise some people but uh they actually outperform peers in in multiple industries um they have lower costs of capital you know they have uh lower volatility in earnings and i can go on and on so they're actually better businesses so there's both the right thing to do incentive and it's a better business you're building incentive. So I really think it's inevitable.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: what we're trying to do, we're trying to make it easy for people to go on that journey.
0: Yeah. But as you said earlier, there is still a, a lack of knowledge. There's still a dearth of knowledge about the even some of the very kind of rudimentary aspects of, of this topic. How... How are you closing that gap? As you said there, like, are we closing that gap quickly? You said we are, and you said COVID-19 has kind of accelerated that. We'll get on to COVID-19 in a minute. But generally, do you think prior to the pandemic, the gap was was closing like quickly or was it closing very slowly? Yeah,
1: so, so my opinion on this, um, just
0: observing the last several years is that,
1: yeah, there's always been a gap. Let me explain what the gap of knowledge is. The gap of knowledge is... I think driven by the fact that, you know, climate has been a bit of an afterthought at a lot of levels. And because of that, I think you have to kind of think about the incentive. What is the incentive of someone to become, uh, you know, smart for climate issues and then even more so, what are you going to do about it? So all of this has changed with COVID because now you have so many similarities with the journey that uh, climate science and climate knowledge and actionable climate issues are on, right? So COVID basically, when it happened, a lot of things changed in life, um, amongst which the fact that we realized that, you know, nature and everything it brings, it can be pretty powerful, number one, Um, and it can be pretty global and it can hit you suddenly and very violently. And you're not going to win you can you know go on tv and say you know this is just uh another form of flu whatever the virus doesn't care you know the virus is going to come and hit you it's science more people get together in a pub the rate of uh, of contagion is going to go higher it's physics you know you can't you know what i mean it's just it shows how arrogant humans can get mm-hmm. right so that is a lesson in itself the, the problem space i think drew a lot of I think learnings for society globally but then the solution space as well right the solution space says that you know what if you really want to do something about this everybody has to do together individuals companies governments action needs to be coordinated globally and everybody has to pull their own weight you know if somebody or some part of the puzzle falls apart the whole puzzle becomes weaker right which is what we're seeing you know countries that are more coordinated as a whole, um, do better. Globally, even, you can see that, right? That the the difference is for everybody to observe. So the climate side of things is exactly the same. It is something that needs to bring everybody together, individuals, governments, companies, um, scientists, every line of work, and everybody needs to do their part for the curve to start changing directions in terms of risk. Mm -hmm. And people are seeing that. And on top of which um, there are more frequent, more violent um, climate events that are happening and people are paying more attention. Look at what's going on in um, California on the west coast of the U.S. in terms of fire. It's surreal. And here is California by itself, what is it? The sixth economy in the world something like that is top 10. You add California, Oregon, and Washington, that must be top five. Completely powerless, right? Similar to the virus. So I think the sense of urgency is going up. That's really the the point I want to make here, Ben. Um, Before, you know, there's this image I've had of humanity like a frog in a boiling Part of water you know it gets hotter but're like you know it's okay now the water is starting to boil and uh, people are realizing that the sense of urgency needs to increase quite quickly
0: do you think though that we will reach the the sense of urgency that we've had because of the pandemic because the pandemic was something that nobody expected and then it was suddenly upon us climate change is something that is kind of as you said, the water's boiling, it's getting to a, a different point. But do you think that urgency, do you think we're going to get to that point where the urgency is as it was with, with COVID-19, or do you think it's just getting slowly getting there? Because my, my point is, unless there is that kind of collaboration that you mentioned between so many important kind of institutions, whether they be public institutions or private companies all coming together, do you think that can happen um, soon enough to kind of Solve the real problems here.
1: Absolutely, I think it's happening already.
0: Yeah, um,
1: I think it's happening through a multitude of isolated cases, industries, companies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's reaching to a point where these guys are talking to each other, and now there is um, efforts around organizations that bring all these voices together. Um, what I'm seeing in the market is very revealing. You know, forget the theory. We're getting a lot of um, contacts from. Companies that essentially come tell us, you know, take a utilities company, for example, a water company is a real example. They're coming to us saying, look, you know, climate risk is not hypothetical for us. It's a real thing. It's happening now more frequently than ever, more violently than ever. And, you know, we have a fiduciary responsibility to provide water or gas service to this part of the country. And we're at risk of disruption what do we do do we invest in our current infrastructure do we build new ones if so where where do we focus how do we go it's a real problem and this is a conversation i've had now multiple times across multiple industries mm-hmm. so it is real it is very real so um you know i think covid was you know something that hit us within weeks Um, climate I think has already been there and it's accelerating and I think it's going to get to that point fairly quickly. Do you want to keep up to date with the latest in enterprise technology and digital transformation? Visit digitalbulletin.com for news, long reads, thought leadership and so much more. That's digitalbulletin.com.
0: now we know you're a company that is building some very sophisticated technology to try and play its part in solving this problem given your background as a as a technologist first and foremost how critical is technology to 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 all of this i mean obviously this is a human effort a human effort to to save our planet but technology is crucial in augmenting that effort isn't it
1: absolutely um i think technology is a tool um, you need humans to take action. Um, technology is give you going to give you information, is going to give you insights, is going to help you make decisions. It's not going to make the decision for you, even less it's not going to make any action for you. So at the end of the day, um, here's the analogy with COVID again, uh, you know, you can have all the best science, but you still need to move forward and there's more to it than just knowing. So I think uh, we're, we're very conscious of that but i think there's a progression here there is the problem space the action and then what you do the space we'd like to add value to globally is bridging this gap between awareness lack of understanding confusion into a place where there is clarity of understanding of what the impact is so clarity of the problem space if you will but then clarity on the actions you need to take towards the solution space. So uh, we'd like to really help the world bridge that gap. And when it comes to action, you're gonna have players from individuals to governments or global organizations, even beyond governments, We like to make it very simple for all of these entities to work together and to take
0: actions that are positive um, globally. That's kind of where we come in. What can you learn, Alex, from your your career in technology and obviously you worked through the kind of era of digital transformation and you've seen the power of technology to deliver change for business, whether that be through kind of new efficiencies or or the the capabilities to build products that we never thought were imagined what can you learn from kind of those those experiences and obviously you worked as we said before you've worked for some of some of the biggest and best in in this area can we draw any kind of um lessons from from that journey oh god yes uh many
1: um many but i would say um at two levels i think first and foremost clarity of vision is something that um, is really appealing in the sense that i've seen technology uh, technological ideas in general start as uh, what people call moonshots with the level of ambition that uh, one could get laughed at and examples are many, you know, you pick many of the current existing um, tech companies, big and small, a lot of them started as a joke. A lot of them started as an idea that nobody wanted to invest in, nobody believed in. Uh, but through the strength of the vision enabled by the ability to at least make it happen, it became a reality. I see the same thing here in in, in climate science.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And especially AI, you know, is a tool that, um, Really is ramping up now. Is a set of technologies that needed some underlying enabling technologies. You know, we needed a lot of data. We needed strong algorithms. We needed cheap, affordable compute power, and some technologies to bring it all together. This didn't exist necessarily. You know, even ten years ago. Now it's there. So all the pieces of the puzzle here to build um, the right technology to actually have solutions that nobody's even thought of yet. And Ben, this is important because we're in an industry where as much as we are responding to market demand, um, we also have to shape market demand, right? It's like showing people solutions they didn't know could exist, right? People haven't sat down necessarily and thought through, here's what I need to do to build climate security into my business. We show them how. So it's very exciting because we're also shaping the way this technology can be used and deployed. We're not just responding to to market space or we're not replacing something with another solution that's cheaper, faster. Is a major shift in in people's way of working and people's thinking. Mm -hmm.
0: How much? Um, of the responsibility should the big tech companies of Silicon Valley sort of shoulder here because we know it's, over the last couple of years, most of them have come out with you know climate pledges and um, promises to be carbon neutral by you know 2030 or you know big bold kind of statements like that. But obviously when you consider the amount of organizations and people that rely on these companies for their infrastructure, how much responsibility should they have to ensure that the people who use their technologies are also taking similar action? Not just They're not just doing it for themselves, but they're also spreading the message because surely these companies are critical to this, aren't they?
1: They absolutely are. So, so there's a few things they can do, big and small. For instance, going back to the question you had around sustainability, the very least a large company can do, tech or non-tech, by the way, is to... Be honest and proactive about their own direct impact on the environment, right? Before you preach to somebody else, fix your own backyard, right? If you're a company that relies on selling stuff through lots of cardboard boxes that are everywhere in the world, you know, you pick whichever company you want to pick. Well, what is the impact on that on the environment? Are you actually investing to make it easier for people to recycle? On and on, I can go on and on, right? If you're a company that's building an electronic device, there is so much impact in terms of chemicals, in terms of carbon, in terms of resources, et cetera, et cetera, without even getting to the human level. What are you doing about that? So I think within the actual business of these companies that have tremendous footprint across the planet, there's a lot of opportunities. Definitely, that's where I would start. But then, by extension, these guys are so big that any kind of a directional change they set on requirements uh, when it comes to impact on the environment is going to propagate. Others are going to follow. So, it's really in, in the sense of leadership start with your own business, but then make it easy for people to adopt and to follow you. So, that's kind of a bottoms up impact, which I think is huge. But I think top down also, you know we're talking about sustainability in terms of um, in terms of how a business performs, for instance, when you're aware of these issues. there's a lot that can be done to make it easier for um, bigger picture global or government level initiatives to be successful. Uh, through sponsorships, through making funds available. Selfishly, I'm going to say, and we're having, um, we're starting to have these conversations with some of these companies through investment in um, technology startups that have taken a problem space and want to innovate. You can also directly contribute. So there's a lot they can do. But I would start in my own backyard.
0: That's an interesting point, actually, that the ecosystem there that you've mentioned of, of these huge tech companies that we've spoken about, the governments who shoulder a lot of the responsibility, and then the, the tech startups like. Savest. I mean, it, it's it's the blend of those of, of those kind of three types of entities that is going to ultimately kind of solve this, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Everybody has to come together, um, but I think with their impact, they can they can lead, yeah. and they should.
0: That was the Tech for Good podcast. Listen, subscribe, and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher.